Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. This is another Ask Me Anything episode. As a reminder, Ask Me Anything was something that we did in Facebook. And then obviously I um, asked everybody who wanted to submit questions in the Facebook group if they could go to coffee with me and just pick my brain. What would they ask me? What would they want to know? These are some of the questions that you guys submitted. And actually, since I started answering them on the podcast, like, six months ago. I've gotten so many more questions from you, both in the Facebook group, in a private message, in email, and so on. And so I think this is just the thing we're just going to keep doing. We're just going to keep going with the ask me anything. Now, one thing I do want to say is when it is labeled as an ask me anything episode, it means I did not do any additional research for this. I just immediately thought this is what I would say, right? I maybe took a minute to gather my thoughts, maybe not even. I just thought, yep, that's one I can answer right now. If you were just asking me face to face, I wouldn't go do a bunch of additional research. I wouldn't have an expert to tap into. So I'm just answering it. When there are topics that I answer in these episodes that you want more information on, that you want a more structured episode on, I can go do a more structured episode. The thing is, a lot of my podcast content in the past has been very research heavy and it's very time consuming. It's a lot of effort and I have wanted to quit so many times because I just don't feel like I have the time for it. But then I get these messages from you where you tell me how much you love the podcast and how much it means to you and what it's done for you and that it kept you from quitting. It's impacted your relationship with your daughter. It's made you a better troop leader. It's helped you love Girl Scouts more. It makes it more fun. It makes it so much easier. It's life changing. It's life saving. These really like amazing feedback comments and, and emails and private messages that you send and then I know I can't quit. So what is going to make it more doable for me is to um, kind of do less research. <laughs> but some stuff, you know, research would be helpful. Research is is nice. Research makes a difference. And I believe in it and I love it. And there's a lot of good research out there that I want to share with you. I want to do, I like doing research. It's just that I can't do it all the time. Okay. Anyway, with all that being said, Ellen, Ellen asked, what to do as an isolated troop with little to no service unit or council support slash presence. I'm the only troop in my town. My service unit has three troops and council has no presence in our region. (laughs) Well, Ellen, that sounds very lonely. And especially if the three troops um, that are in your service unit are run by people who you don't know, or you don't feel connected to, or even worse, you don't get along with, or you don't see eye to eye with, or you have different priorities. Most of the time, when we're in social spaces with a lot of people, we can kind of choose what spaces feel best to us. Here's a great example. There's lots of Facebook groups about Girl Scouts, about being a Girl Scout troop leader. Not all of them have the same vibe. And depending on what kind of vibe you're looking for or not looking for, you may choose to hang out in different spaces. (laughs) However, When you don't have a big enough group of people to be able to decide where you want to socialize or who you want to socialize with, those are your only choices, it can be very isolating and very frustrating. So first I just acknowledge, and she didn't, Ellen did not say that um, 
that they do not you they don't get along right like you didn't you didn't say that you didn't get along with the other people in your service unit I'm just saying that would make it even more difficult (laughs) but it'd be difficult even if you love them all right so what to do uh I guess my first kind of like question if we were really sitting together is like what to do with what what do you mean because you can do a troop that is totally fulfilling and and exciting and fun for your girls without having any other troops in your area. You really don't need any other troops in your area. In fact, for most of the time that I ran my troop, although I did go to my service unit meetings um, and I wanted to know what was going on in council and whatnot, we really did pretty much everything on our own. We did it our own way and there were a lot of reasons for that. The biggest one is cost. Honestly, I felt like council events, especially when we were kind of a fledgling troop, council events seemed very expensive. Uh, Also availability, we could plan it on our schedule instead of being subject to the events calendar. I didn't necessarily think all the events sounded fun, if I'm just being honest. And um, sometimes I disagreed with the priorities or the way that things were run, both in the service unit or in council. Um, So that way, it just allowed us to be able to do our own thing. Um, This sounds bad, but you guys hopefully have known me long enough to know that I'm pretty much a Girl Scout through and through. I pretty much bleed green, but I also didn't want council breathing down my neck necessarily. Like, I just want to be able to do things with what's right for my group. And so all of this to say, you can have a super fun, eventful, awesome, exciting troop experience with just your troop. I actually started realizing that I needed to do more with the larger Girl Scout community in my area when we attended a bridging ceremony and my girls expressed that they didn't realize how many other girls were brownies. (laughs) Oops. Yeah, there's like a lot of, I live in Phoenix, it's like not isolated at all. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of girls and um, plenty of them are Girl Scouts. And so like, (laughs) yep, there are actually lots of other brownies, my cute little Girl Scouts. And I started wondering, have I done them a disservice by not letting them know or see or interact with other, the larger Girl Scout community or movement as a whole? So then we started trying to do things a little bit more mindfully to help them see the larger movement that they're a part of. And there's a couple of things here of benefits to being involved with your service unit or your council or the movement as a whole. Uh, One thing is definitely like history and tradition is a huge part of that. Also, um, the shared experiences and just being able to make connections with other people and have a larger network. Also, there are uh, there's something fun about having like a whole huge group of people going to an encampment with hundreds of girls. It's it's fun. They're it's like you, they're used to their same little bubble, and then they go and they see. Especially if your girls all go to the same school, which mine didn't, but they go to an encampment and they see hundreds of girls across all these different grade levels, and it's like, oh my gosh, like. I'm part of something that's so much bigger than myself. And look at all these other girls who are role models and um, setting examples and 
um, of both what to do and also what not to do. And um, getting to know girls who go to different schools, part of different parts of, you know, they live in different parts of the state or even different parts of the country, um, even from around the world, depending on where you are, right? Uh, that's really cool. And finding the things that they have in common and, and improving their social skills in that way. That all matters and and just feeling like you're part of something bigger than yourself and and so the larger movement not just girl scouts of the usa but also the world association of girl guides and girl scouts i mean there's like so many people who are part of this movement who are doing these really cool big amazing things we're impacting the world and making it a better place and so all of that leads me to say that there's definitely benefits to having involvement with a service unit or a council where you can feel that sense of connection. You can also foster that sense of connection without having service unit or council presence. And I'm sorry because I know that it can be frustrating when you don't feel like you have support from council or support from your service unit. And that isn't necessarily because it's small or isolated. It could just be because your service unit and council doesn't offer a lot of really consistent, solid support. Maybe you just personally feel unsupported. And so whether you're listening to this and you relate to what Ellen is saying, I have no service unit or virtually no service unit and my council is really not present in this area, or whether you can just relate to the general feeling because maybe you have a really big, very active service unit and you are just not part of it. Either you don't know anything about it, or you don't feel like the communication has been good, or you feel actively ostracized, or whatever. All of these things happen in different social situations. I've heard these stories, not just throughout my council, but also um, throughout the entire movement, throughout the entire national organization as well. I know it happens. So that can feel bad. (laughs) It can feel bad. That's like such a simple statement. It feels bad. It feels bad when you just feel like you're doing this alone. (laughs) Hopefully this podcast helps. And so that would be the first thing I would say is like, listen to the podcast and then hopefully you feel supported here. I mean, that's what I want to achieve with this. You feel hopefully connected yourself to a larger Girl Scout community through this podcast, through the Facebook group if you are on Facebook, and um, hopefully you can feel connected that way. Also, hopefully you feel supported. I hope that the material that's covered in this podcast is helpful. Always you can submit questions, whether that's in Ask Me Anything style or just in general, like just topic suggestions of things you want me to talk about or cover, I'll do my best. And, you know, if you want to actually have a conversation and share your experience, it doesn't matter how long you've been involved or whether you are a Girl Scout superstar or a Girl Scout newbie, it does not matter. There's no grading scale. I have, as if you've been listening to this for a while, you know, I've met with all kinds of people who are involved with Girl Scouts of all different levels, you know, less than five girls in your troop to, you know, 50 girls in your troop. It doesn't matter. I'd love to hear more about your story and your experiences and what's been hard and what's gone well and what resources you love and why you are even doing it in the first place. And if you were involved as a kid, what what were your memories? Like, it's pretty easy to just have a conversation together about Girl Scouts and then hopefully that will help you feel connected as well. So that's definitely part of it is listen to the podcast. And if you're on Facebook, join the Facebook group. Ellen obviously is in the Facebook group. That's where she asked the question. Hopefully she listens to the podcast, I'm assuming. <laughs> 
<laughs> or at least she did 18 weeks ago when she asked the question. I'm assuming not necessarily because you could be in the Facebook group without listening, but hopefully you, you are did. I don't know. So that's the first step. The second step is um, finding other online spaces that you could be a part of because you and your girls can connect with girls and volunteers all over the world let alone in your state, in the U.S., in wherever, um, who who are online. We can do, we, I mean, gosh, you guys, we talked in the last episode about what could we do for an in-person event. And then I said, does anybody want to do Zoom? I mean, we could literally organize Zoom bridging if you don't have things like that and you want to do something online. That, that would be kind of cool. We could do our own recognitions and awards through this podcast and we can recognize each other. Um, it wouldn't be recognized by GSUSA, but I mean, we can do whatever we want, right? Like we can support each other and we can create a sense of community here. Um, I don't know any of those things that sound interesting to you or that you would want to do. I mean, I could, I could run virtual events for girls. I don't know. I feel like girls are done with the virtual experience. Virtual events, I feel like had some level of appeal before the pandemic. And then in the beginning of the pandemic, they were all the rage and like, we just needed any connection and socialization. And then I feel like girls, especially like kids just got so burned out on virtual experiences of any kind. It's like, no, 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 I don't want to hang out on Zoom. So whatever. But you tell me, you tell me what would be good. But there are other online spaces that exist besides mine also. There are online spaces that are already established. There are online book clubs. There are online pen pals and video chatting and Facebook groups and other private communities and whatever that support kids and people who work with kids. And there's all kinds of things that you could do. So find some online spaces to feel connected. As far as your council not having great support... (laughs) you can't make them. So you can definitely make your opinion known. You can definitely let your voice be heard when there are opportunities to do so. But for the most part, you really can't make it different than it is. You can't make other people do things differently than they do. So if there's change that you really want to see because you know there are other people in your council, either in your area or in other areas like yours, that feel like you do, the best way to make change in your council is to be that change. (laughs) And I say this with so much love and acknowledgement of the fact that you don't have to do that. But someone like you taking that action is probably the only thing that's going to change it. (laughs) Council staff And if you've been listening to this for a while, you know I used to work for my council many years ago. It's been more than 10 years since I started working there. It's been, I guess it's been less than 10 years since I left, but I started working there more than 10 years ago. And I loved, loved being a staff member of Girl Scouts. I loved it. I had a really good experience. I love my council. I love my coworkers. Um, But there is a lot of um, distance between staff and volunteers. And that is a huge part of why I started this podcast in the beginning is because I witnessed it on the staff side 
And then I witnessed it on the volunteer side after I left working there. So four and a half years ago, I started this podcast. Can you guys believe that it's been that long? Four and a half years ago. There's four and a half years of content on this podcast. That's crazy. But four and a half years ago, I started this podcast because, um, partially because I wanted to help close the gap between what it's like to work there and what it's like to volunteer for the organization. Volunteers feel often like the staff members have no idea what it's like to be a volunteer, what the reality of that is. And staff members very often feel like they are working around the clock a million hours for very little money and absolutely no thank you. And um, that kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it, to how it feels to be a volunteer? But anyway, I digress. That they are working around the clock because they believe in this mission and because they want to do good in the world and not because they have some cushy job. It's not cushy. It's not. So... Everybody feels unseen and unheard, and so I will just say that I'm going to make the assumption that the people who work for your council are limited in budget, they're already spending way more time than they have on as many projects as they can, they are probably understaffed, but they don't have the budget to expand and hire more, Um, I don't know what council you're from, but They're probably having trouble with membership. They're probably having trouble with fundraising. They're probably having trouble with all of these things because this is what's happening not just in Girl Scouts as a whole, but in nonprofits as a whole, especially youth serving organizations. This is just what's going on in the world right now when it comes to youth serving organizations. So Girl Scouts is not immune. It's definitely a huge, a huge problem. And so as much as they're trying to do as much as they can in the name of the mission because they wouldn't do it if they didn't believe in the mission, there's also only so much they can do. And sometimes the way that councils are structured, like geographically, uh, it leaves people kind of in the lurch. Ellen, I do not know where you're from, and I'm not going to like try to snoop and look because I don't want that to influence my answer. I'm going to say that in my council, which is Arizona Cactus Pine, Our council is pretty much based in Phoenix. We do have camp properties, uh, a couple of them throughout different parts of northern Arizona, Um, but largely the volunteers and the troops that are located across northern Arizona, they're very far. They're far from the council shop. They are far from the council offices, and if they want to come to most of the council events or to the council shop. For some people, it's even as far as like a six-hour drive. So I understand and I empathize. For me, my council shop is probably about a 40-minute drive at this point for where I live right now. Um, It's all city driving. It's not, not great, but it's not terrible. I could go. And I definitely have. And if I had an active troop still, um, we certainly could go to a council events. There would definitely be council events and service unit events in the area where I live. It's it's close enough and populated enough that they would definitely be doing those things. But we have troops on reservation land. We have troops in really small towns in the middle of the desert. And we have cities in the northern part of Arizona that are not, you know, they're not Phoenix, but they're not 
they're not bumps on the road either. They're like real places people live. They're well populated. There's lots of girls. There's girls who want to be involved. There's volunteers or potential volunteers that uh, are untapped potential for sure because they don't have the support because they're distant from council. So I'm saying this because I understand and especially having I when I worked for council, I worked in the council shop and then I ended up working in volunteer support, new volunteer training and onboarding. And then I worked in um, cookies. So and I also did conflict resolution like kind of during all of that. I was the council mediator for a few years. And in every single one of those roles, the what we call extended area was impacted by being the extended area. We would hear that all the time. And if you're listening to this and you're in Arizona and you don't live in Phoenix, this is you. I know it's you. Hello. Love you. Loved you even then. Um, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And we would try to come up with ways that we could support the extended area, but also um I mean, obviously, cost of living is different everywhere, but I was working 10 to 12 hour days, seven days a week and making, you know, circa $30,000 a year. (laughs) And there is only so much I can do. (laughs) I'm only one person. And frankly, I don't make enough to do even more than that. That's plenty. So uh, I did not work, by the way, I did not work seven days a week the whole time. Um, But during cookie season, when I worked in cookies, it's a seven day a week job. So when I worked at the council shop, we I definitely didn't work all seven days. But anyway, um, when you work in nonprofit and any of you who have worked in nonprofit, even if it's not Girl Scouts, um, you know, you don't really ever just like leave work at work. It's always with you. And it's still with me. I'm still doing it. Here I am. I don't even have a current troop and I'm still doing this podcast because it just never leaves you because you believe in it so much and it's part of who you are. So I know that the fact that you are unsupported is a reality. I also know that the people at council are not doing that on purpose. (laughs) And likely if they're not supporting you, it's because they don't have the resources to support you the way that you deserve to be supported. And therefore, it's unlikely that it will change unless you become the support system. So I don't want this to be just like totally disheartening, but basically the point here is you can find support and connection and community with people who are not local to you if you want to build up local support and resources and community, then the best way to do that is to be the one to spearhead it. And it's hard and it can be a lot of work and Depending on how primed your area is for it, it may go well. It may be a few years of a slog. um, It's a loving, a loving journey to try to make it happen. (laughs) And um, yeah, and so some things that that might look like. First of all, you might talk to your council about what can I do, but also you might already know what needs to be done. It could be recruitment efforts. I mean, you're going to know better than your, from the sounds of it, you're going to know better than your council about where the recruitment opportunities are in your area. Now, you said you're an isolated troop. You didn't say you live in an isolated area. So this is like something that I'm not necessarily clear on and it's going to vary my answer a little bit if you're in an area where there are no recruitment efforts because there are virtually no girls there's only a couple of you and you're all in the same troop right like that that's the whole capacity there are you said your service unit has three troops presumably that's you and two other troops not you and three other troops regardless if and you said the only troop in your town so your service unit is more than just your town 
So you might be in an isolated area. It's hard for me to say. Or your service unit might not might be that large of a geographic area because you're the only troop in your town. So are you the only troop in your town because there are only enough girls who would be interested to have one troop? Or are you the only troop in your town because your town is really unsupported by Girl Scouts? Those are two different things. If you live in a pretty isolated area, then pretty much you can be a super troop, take any girl who is interested in your area, and you basically run an entire Girl Scout operation with just your troop, and that's all there is. Or if your town is bigger, it just does is unsupported, then um, back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, which is you're going to know better than council where the recruitment opportunities are. You're going to know better where your community is hanging out. You're going to know better what's important to them. You're going to know what events are there, where families are going to be, parents are going to be, guardians are going to be, kids are going to be. You're going to know better uh, what other volunteers and uh, potential volunteers in your community might exist. So you probably know uh, people in your community who might be good troop leaders. Um, If you aren't involved in your community or you're brand new to your community or something like that, then you may not know those people yet, but getting involved in your community would be a way to know. So volunteering in other ways, um, going to events and being part of those things, that is going to make a really big difference. So recruitment would be a big thing, but then recruitment is not enough because if council is not supporting that area then you could recruit 14 new troops in your in your town but if they aren't going to have support then they're not going to follow through so it would also mean kind of taking some lead on supporting them and um, being a mentor to them and helping them providing resources to them now you don't have to create all those resources from scratch you can take resources that exist online you can compile them into one google doc that you can share you could save a playlist on spotify of some of the best podcasts podcast episodes from the show that you think would help them get going. You can um, record videos or whatever you want, or you could take some things that other people have recorded. You don't have to duplicate it over and over and over again for each person that you recruit, but um, but they need to be supported and they need to have training and resources and support as well. Uh, in order to feel connected, that probably also means spearheading some events that you could do together and, um, and events that already exist that a bunch of troops could attend and go to, you know, whether that's a festival or a carnival or whatever in your in your town. So basically what to do. You can operate isolated. You definitely can. Or you can be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs> and those are your options. And I'm sorry that some of those might not be the options that you want. I do want to reiterate one thing that I said earlier that I didn't really spend a lot of time on, which is you can definitely voice your opinion and you can definitely make your opinion known. Here's the reality. If there is only one troop in your town and only three troops in your service unit, there's not a big draw for council to put support there. And I realize that there could be more troops in your town and your service unit if council did put more effort into that area. So it's cyclical. (laughs) there's not justification to put the bandwidth and the budget into supporting that that geographic area if there is no membership there and also there's not going to be membership where there is no effort being put forth (laughs) it's both so you can make your opinion known you can get involved or you can operate isolated and and all of those 
are good, okay? None of them are bad. Operating isolated is not a bad thing. There's benefits to being plugged in. There's benefits to being supported. There's benefits to being involved. But you can certainly have a totally fulfilling Girl Scout experience as an isolated troop. You also can become one of those superstars in your council who really instigates some Girl Scout activity in an area that is currently totally underserved and untapped, right? Um, It would be easier if you had a friend, though. So can you, like, tap somebody on the shoulder first to be your co-pilot in doing that? That would probably be helpful. So... Another thing you could do is, um, I mean, I would say you can you can say where you're from in the group and maybe there are people who are nearby, but I'm going to go ahead and assume if you're the only troop in your town and your service unit only has three troops, there's probably no one else in this group that's in your area, but you never know. Okay. Well, Ellen and everybody else, I hope that this was helpful. And if you have any questions you want to ask me, you can ask me in the Facebook group or you can send me an email at girlscoutpodcast.gmail.com. Remember these ask me anythings. I'm not doing any additional research. I am just telling you what's in my head that I already know and uh, that my sharing my opinions that I already think. (laughs) So hopefully this was interesting and helpful and I'll talk to you soon.